This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, you're listening to the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, available on podcast and on YouTube. My name is Mikey Penty-Smith. I'm making my debut guest presenting for this, the Blue Monday preview show, usually of course fronted by the brilliant Benjamin Bloom. I'm here to get expert opinion on Ipswich's next opponent, Reading Football Club. And this week from the Talhurst End podcast, on loan to Blue Monday is Johnny Williams. Welcome, Johnny Esther. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, normally, I come on loan from Crystal Palace, I believe, is my parent club. <laughs> I tend to go on loan quite a lot, does, uh, does Johnny Williams. A couple of spells at Portman Road, I believe. Yeah, I think it was four, maybe five. Didn't always get on the pitch. <laughs> no. But, but <laughs> popular name, all the same. But, yeah, jokes aside, Johnny, how are you? Two games left. Reading, not safe yet. Not safe, but... Not nervous. Um, we're five points clear of uh, the relegation zone, but I think it's uh, Barnsley and Burton both have 38 um, or maybe 40 points and we've got 45. So um, we're five points clear. We know that basically a point against you guys on Saturday will almost certainly take us clear and a win will definitely take us clear. So um, I wouldn't say I'm nervous because you look at the balance of form across the season and those two teams aren't likely to get you know two two wins in a row um so you never know that you're safe until you're actually safe but i i think we're just about clear of just about clear of danger now quickly i must address the elephant in the room where is benjamin bloom could it be that he's gone into hiding after criticizing marcus evans video interview or is it just that he's sitting one out after a long season i'll leave that to the viewers to decide maybe you can comment below where you think benjamin is today. Uh, but anyway, let's crack on with the podcast. And Johnny, can you think back to December 2017 when Ipswich last faced Reading at Portman Road? It was a 2 0 win for Ipswich, actually. Um, Reading had 70% possession. I think you had one shot on target. <laughs> this is all sounding oddly, oddly familiar. Yeah, now I tried to. Tried to get the Yapstam era, or certainly the last six months of the Yapstam era, quite quickly out of my head. But I think that just sort of, in a nutshell, really, really just encapsulated what happened over the last six months for Yapstam. Like you say, seventy percent possession. We would always dominate possession. We would always 
try and take control of a game and not really go anywhere. Um, I'm sure any Ipswich fans that were at the game sort of thought, oh, they're just passing it amongst the back four nice and calmly and not really going anywhere with it. And that's all it ever was really under Yapstam. We, you know, we had a very good season last year where we got to the playoffs and we were a playoff final and a couple of penalty kicks away from Wembley. And this, this season it just sort of all turned. And you know, when you talk about that game, uh, the two goals really sort of encapsulate everything. It was just two completely preventable goals, one of them from a corner. Um, you know, you should never be, be allowing the man to get the flick on at the back post. Uh, and the first goal as well, just losing the ball in midfield and and you know, free runners and an easy shot and the goalkeeper really should do better. It was just it was just two, two goals that really summed up the Yapstam era of just putting ourselves into danger rather than rather than other teams really creating and really having a good go at us and scoring good goals. It was an inter interesting one uh, from an Ipswich fan standpoint because one of the main criticisms of Mick McCarthy was that we didn't play it out from the back. But that game was kind of, it was a, it was a good one for the Mick Inners, I suppose, if you want to call them that, because we barely had the ball, but we still created far more chances than Reading did. Mm -hmm. And we got a couple of goals. Callum Connolly scored a decent goal. I think that was like the early stages of him moving into central midfield and suddenly he looked like a goal scorer. It mm -hmm. didn't really turn out that way. And uh, Jordan Spence was man of the match for Ipswich, which with that, I think that must be, well, that must be the last time that that happened. Um, Ipswich moved up to eighth, two points off the playoffs, but Reading went into that game five games unbeaten, I think, and I think you'd just drawn against Cardiff. Yeah, but again, I think that, that was a game where we let a two-goal lead slip, um, and that was something that sort of happened a lot under Yapstam. We we didn't really this especially this season have that almost have that mentality last season it was the mentality that really got us to where we were we'd go one nil up and it would be backs to the wall um and we would be able to defend out those leads whereas under um understand this season it was a lot more of sort of we're two nil up but we know that we're going to collapse at some point and we almost know that we're going to cave in at some point um and equally, if we were to go one or two nil down, there I think there, the the opposite feeling would be there that right, that's it, game over. We're not going to be able to get back into this. Um, I think that might have been sort of the start of one win in seventeen or one win in eighteen, as as it sort of turned out when Stan was finally given the boot. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was just a horrible runner form. I think the second worst runner form in in the league this season, behind only Sunderland, um, who had one win in nineteen. And so yeah, it was just uh, you know it just yeah it just it just summed everything up really in terms of in terms of what went wrong for Stam this season. Yeah, I, I seem to remember you were quite critical of Yap Stam, maybe not so much last season of course, but in the early stages of this season. And I found myself being in the position of the people that I've hated the last few weeks of saying, oh well, be careful what you wish for. You made the playoffs last season, but. Yeah, what I mean, would you say was the the biggest difference this season? I think the biggest season, honestly, was a change in luck, and that sounds like such a cop out. But if you look at any of the, I mean, some people absolutely hate uh, expected goals and all that sort of stuff, and shots on target, and how they can equate to what what you can read of a game. But if you, um, I don't know if anyone knows Experimental Three Six One. It's sort of a website which projects what score should be depending on. Uh, shots on target and chances and things like that and um, his table for last year um, how he saw it versus how it actually finished was pretty much even except he had Reading finishing about 19th 
19th. Around, yeah. It's about where you are now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you see, you know, it's exactly, it's exactly how it happened. It's, it's, it's like a team like Leicester City can, um, in, in not quite in the same way, but in a similar way, completely defy the odds one season and, and win the Premier League. We just had a lot of luck. We had a lot of 1-0 wins. We had a lot of games where we came out of it, es- you know, escaping it and thinking, well, you know, how did, we, how did we win that or how did we get a point out of that? Um, and it was sort of an ongoing battle between Reading fans last season. It was I, I, for, from January, February onwards, I was saying this luck has got to run out at some point because we are escaping with a lot of, a lot of points that we shouldn't. And people were saying, no, 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 you finish the season where you deserve to finish the season. Of course, there is some merit in that as well. But I think this season, the the script almost flipped completely. It was where we'd be winning games 1-0 last year, we were losing them 1-0 last year, or we, we'd be conceding that shot that hit the post last year would, would go in this year. It very much just sort of reverted to type. These, these things even themselves out. And so um, I think you can have the ongoing debate over which is the truer reflection of, of, of Reading under Yapstam. Um, and I, I probably think it's... You know, somewhere in the middle. Um, I think last season was incredible, but at the same time, there was just that part of me that thought this is too good to be true. We are riding our luck a lot here, and obviously that that came home to roost this year, really. So uh, overall, you touched upon it there, but overall, how do you look back on Yapstam? Like when you think of Yapstam, do you think of those cold nights <laughs> earlier on this year where you were losing? Yeah. Or do, you, or do you think back to nicking the results and the the happiness of being in the playoffs, Ipswich fans, we, we we know what it's like to get in the playoffs. And it, is, it was, for me, what, what I enjoy the most, it, like the football wasn't great. We were scoring quite a lot of goals, Darren Murphy scored loads, but it was more just getting towards the end of the season, actually going to games with excitement and there's stuff riding on it. And you don't really, you don't care too much at the end of the season if the games were mm. free-flowing. You just want to get those results and have those exciting moments. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the excitement and looking forward to going to games, and certainly towards the end of um, the the Yapstam era, I'd, I'd say that the apathy among the fan base was at an all-time high because you knew if you were going to a game, you weren't going to be entertained. It was going to be boring. We might have one or two shots on target, like we did, like we did in the game at Portman Road. It would just be keeping the ball at the back, seventy percent possession, keep it tight, don't concede, try and get a goal. Um, and to, to some extent, it was the same. It was the same sort of formula last year as well. So, in terms of how I'd look back on it, I'd say, I mean, you, you know, you can't be too harsh on the bloke because he did get us to a playoff final. But at the same time, like I said, I think it was he was extremely lucky to do that. I'll just remember it for. Um, I wouldn't say being bored out of my mind, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this all sounds this, rather familiar. No, I must say. This, this season we had, I think, our lowest crowd since we've been in at, at least the championship which is 2002 i think about 6000 people turned up it was a bitterly cold night in december but at the same time the the wave of the wave of apathy amongst running fans because it, they just knew we were going to lose and it was going to be a boring match um, and so yeah i mean that 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 just sort of sums up stand for me really there seems to be some real similarities between Ipswich under McCarthy at the highs of making the playoffs albeit not playing brilliant football mm. whatever brilliant football is and then you had the real 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 lows was it completely apathy would you say or was was there any anger or I'd say the anger was more sort of around January time when 
I don't think anyone expected us to be challenging for the title this season. Or um, I think another. I think that, you know the barometer for us and probably for for Ipswich fans as well has always been in in with a chance of the playoffs on the last you know, in the last few games. Just sort of challenging up there, comfortably top half. It's the dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a dream for us again this season. I think to be you know if we'd made the playoffs or had a late charge towards the playoffs, that would have been. That would have reflected a decent season for us, I think. Um, but in terms of in terms of that, it just it just never really came to fruition, um, and it was just sort of going down and going down. And then, like I say, in January, I think that was when the anger really started to um, to appear, and the board did nothing about it. And then I've, it was only what a few weeks ago, maybe end of end of March, that the board finally said right now it's time to do something about this. And I think by then, honestly, most people thought, well, we've all gotten to the end of the season then. Um, the, I think the time the time to do it was probably January, February, when you had a bit more time to scout out a, a replacement or um, certainly look at your options rather than rather than doing it at the end of, at the end of March where your options are, are very limited um, and you might not be able to persuade another manager to come in. So, um, it, yeah, I think it was... It was sort of an anger that then just dissipated into apathy, really. Yeah, very, uh, very familiar once again. <laughs> I mean, you could be talking about Ipswich just changed changed some of the names over. Um, obviously, Mick McCarthy didn't leave quite as early. Um, we have Brian Klug in temporary charge, but Reading did go straight in, brought in a new manager, Paul Clement. What were your thoughts when he came in? He comes in with a bit of baggage. Obviously, everyone always mentions the Carlo Ancelotti links, yeah, uh, which is desirable to some, maybe the younger football fans. Um, was he who you wanted? And if not, who who did he want to come in? Maybe Mick McCarthy. Keep you up. <laughs> uh, yeah, a few years of him at the helm wouldn't mind that. Um, I mean, the thing, like like I said, with the timing of the sacking, I think Paul Clement was the only realistic option, really, because if you if you're looking for a new manager in March, you're not really going to get anyone to leave their club, I don't think, or certainly not um, the targets that we would have been looking at. People that were mentioned were people like Phil Parkinson, who's obviously you know, at Bolton, or um, other other names, uh, Parky being a Reading legend, or, or other names of that ilk. But because of the, the timing of it, I don't think you're really going to be able to sw- persuade a manager, look, you really want to come here for two months and try and keep us up and give up everything you built at another club. So you are looking amongst that free agent market, um, in a sense. Whereas, obviously, had we done it earlier, January, February time, then that would have been a bit more time for a manager to get their feet in and, you know, really sort of build a long-term thing and obviously give you the pick of, or give you more of a pick of who you actually wanted to bring in. So I think to some extent they were forced to bring in Paul Clement, but like you say, he came with a good pedigree. Um, I mean, there's two ways to look at his appointment as well. I mean, you can either say that he's sort of had the rug pulled under him at both at both clubs he's been at, Swansea and Derby. Um, Derby where he, I think, had a had a falling out with the chairman, and so basically that was the end of that. Um, and then Swansea where he had Gilfie Sigurdsson sold for 45 million and then replaced him with absolutely nobody. Um, and, you know, when you lose players like that and lose Lorente as well, then you're really then you're really struggling. So I think he had mitigating circumstances at both. But if you go on his Wikipedia uh, and it says on both of his times at Derby and Swansea, he was criticised for playing boring football. 
Now, having just endured nearly two years of boring football, um, that was perhaps not the not the appointment that um, I wanted. But you can't complain really with the, the results he's got so far. Um, he's dragged us to safety. Um, he's instilled a resilience in the team, I think, that wasn't there before. I think we've got, in our two home games so far, or before the Sunderland game, uh, we had two 1-0 wins, and they were they were very much hanging on and bodies on the line, throwing yourself in front of shots. And I think, had we been in the same situation, understand, we wouldn't have held on in those games. Um, so so do you think that's, that's what he did? Because he picked up seven points from six games, yeah. which is... I mean, it's good enough down there at the moment. Yeah, and but, um, but and what, what was it? Just getting back to basics and getting blocks in. Luke Chambers defending just last ditch stuff. Yeah, is that is that is that all that Clement really did to stop the rot? I think he he took away some of the risk as well. Um, Stan Stamble, as if that's ever going to catch on as a phrase, which I really don't think it is. After I don't think it will now. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Um, it was, it was very risky, like you say, playing it around at the back and almost you know, trying to trying to look for those perfect passes. And like I said, most of the goals we've conceded over the last two years really came from our own mistakes. I don't really remember many wonder goals scored against us. Um, whereas Clement was a bit more back to basics. It's not complete hoofball, but I think he said to his players, look, if you need to get rid, get rid. Whereas with Stam, it was almost like... Actually, I always remember in one of the first... Um, Yapstam games that I saw at the beginning of last season, um, he shouted at our left back for pumping a percentage ball up the line rather than um, just playing it playing it inside yeah. and looking for. See, this is where it's different because Mick McCarthy would have criticised the left back for not pumping the ball <laughs> up the line. So <laughs> you got you got to play those percentage rules sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, in, in terms of Clement, um, I think in our. In our, in our first two wins, we had two shots on target, scored two goals, and won two games. So, on the, on the opposite side, I think we had conceded about 50 shots or something. So, the shots are coming in, yeah. uh, but somehow we're blocking them, or, yeah. or the keepers uh, keepers dealing with them. So, um, yeah, I think he's just in, he's got that spirit back. I think the fans, the fans are back. The fans are supporting him. For now, the games have been exciting, not necessarily because we've made them exciting, more because the other team has made them <laughs> exciting by getting chance after chance after chance on us. But um, you know, you come away from the game and you've actually enjoyed it, which is a quite a foreign feeling after the last six months. Do you want to come in a little bit closer? Yes. Um, the reason why Johnny and I are in the same room is a very simple reason. We just happen to work together and uh, we're currently in a meeting room in deepest, darkest Feltham. Um, lovely place. Um, so anyway, the game on Saturday, is it a massive game for Reading? Clement has said that you need a big performance. Is it more about, is it a, more a massive game for Clement rather than Reading? Because you should be safe, but this, could, this is a good opportunity for Paul Clement in front of the home crowd to sort of win some fans over against, well, I don't want to call Ipswich a wounded animal, but we've got a lot of injuries at the moment. Mm, nothing to play for, really. Nothing to play for, really. Uh, the, the the blokes who are in charge now don't have any realistic ambitions of managing the side next year. So this is a good opportunity for Paul Clement, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Although we we hyped up last last week's game against Sunderland as the biggest game of our season, and uh, almost <laughs> looked like losing that one. So 
I think whenever we hype a game up, we don't tend to perform to our best. Um, like I say, in terms, in terms of safety, um, I don't think it's, it's the most important game because we're five points clear with two games left. And unless the miracle of miracles happens, you'd think that was enough. Obviously, we'd love to get the win, send, send the fans home happy. They tend to do their lap of appreciation at the end of at the end of um, at the end of the last home game, and you can always tell how well the season's gone by how many people actually stick around for that. So, yeah. um, I think you know they'll they'll want to get the win, certainly so that they get a, a few thousand fans rather than a couple of couple of hundred. Um, and in terms of Clement, yeah, because I don't know that he's losing the fans already, but like I said, it. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It hasn't been... The wins haven't been the most convincing and the play hasn't been the most convincing. But then at the same time, you look at the league table and we are where we are. We're not going to go out and stomp teams 5-0 suddenly. So I think you do have to sort of play, you know, play, that, play that game in a slight sense where you do have to admit, look, we're 1-0 up. Let's just try and hang on and get someone on the counter. Um, but I do think that it's, like you say, it's a good opportunity. Um, in terms of our squad, it's I think almost nearly at, at full fitness. In terms of certainly without the long-term injuries, anyway. Um, so we should we should be able to put out a, a strong side. And like you say, there's nothing. I don't think there would be any better feeling than getting a win to definitely secure championship survival. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then looking forward to next season, do you do you want Clement to be the man in the dugout for the start of next season? In your heart of hearts, or would you rather? looked elsewhere I mean, it's quite mysterious actually because I don't think they've actually said how long his contract is I think it's sort That's of a case of if he keeps us up then he'll get a, a kicker kind of thing um, I think 
you know, going back to the timing of it, I think we did the best with what we could have got. Um, I think had we got rid of Stam in December, January, like like I'd say the overwhelming majority of fans wanted to do, then we would have really had really had our pick of the managers. I mean, even saying that, you're never going to get a, a manager that everyone agrees with. Um, but I think I think people are are uniting behind him because I think they realise that he's come into a bad situation, confidence at an all-time low, a squad that we thought was nearly Premier League quality level last year has, has been ruthlessly exposed as actually pretty average. Yeah. And if you look at our last four finishes in the division, 17th, 19th, 3rd, 19th this year, let's say, then you have to say that last year was the anomaly. So I think, I think, I think Clement, with a full off season, might be able to get a few ideas to pick, you know, to get his own players and really, hopefully, sort of galvanise the squad and, and build. I'm behind him for now. You're behind him for now, mm. okay. But that can turn, as I've as I've seen. But fickle, fickle football yeah. fans. I'll say it again, Johnny. You have to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Favorite phrase in Suffolk. Um, so let's talk about your heroes, the current Reading players. Heroes. <laughs> mm. I'm going to read out the the names of the players that played in your last game against Sheffield Wednesday, and you can let me know the three players which who Ipswich fans. Ipswich fans, sorry, should look out for and where you think the team might be different. Okay. Um, so it was Manone in goal, Gunter, is it Yori? Ilori. Ilori. Liverpool legend. Okay. Moore and Tyler Blackett, who I think got sent off. Didn't he? he did. Yeah. Straight red. So he's gone. See you, mate. <laughs> and then there's the destroyer Vandenberg, <laughs> Kelly, Aluko, Swift, Barrow, and Ipswich's loan target from the summer. We were a bit disappointed to miss out on him, Bodvarsson. Mm. So where do you see the team being being different for the Ipswich game? Uh, obviously, Tyler Blackett will um, come out because he got sent off in our last game. That's another thing that slightly worries me about Clement. I think in five or six games, we've had three red cards, straight red cards. So that's... Uh, it's obviously getting them fired up. <laughs> well, clearly. I'm not sure that's a good thing, though. Um, but... So um, Richards, Omar Richards will come in for him at left back. He's a young 20-year-old who probably, he's struggled a bit in all fairness. Um, Reading, Reading fans, I'm sure like Ipswich fans, love sort of one of their own playing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but he's, he's tended to get subbed off in the last couple of games um, just because he's just come back from an injury, to be fair, so probably just working his way back up to full fitness. But also, I think he only made his professional debut in January or so, so... Um, so he will come in at left back. In terms of who the danger men are going to be for us, uh, Mo Barrow, um, who you might remember the ex-Swansea player, who yep. is absolutely lightning quick. Yeah. Um, is he not a bit of a speedboat without the driver? Yes, he's he's one of those classic, that's the reason you fall down to the championship players. Because yeah. if he could finish, he'd probably be signed by Liverpool for 36 million and then trying to win the Ballon d'Or next year. Um, like a certain Mo Salah, whereas yeah, Mo Barrow sadly does not have the uh, finishing ability or dribbling ability of Mo Salah. Um, but like you say, his pace can really cause danger, and I think he's our top scorer this year with about 12 goals. Bodvarsson, um, I'm a big fan of Bodvarsson because um, he just he's just one of those typical target men, but he, he can win a header, he's got a bit of pace about him as well, he can finish. He's one of those sort of He's not 
particularly good at anything, but he, <laughs> right. but he's good at everything. Okay. Like, he's not outstanding, you know, he's not a great finisher or a great header of the ball or incredibly strong, but he can do a bit of everything. Um, okay. And he, yeah, he works his socks off, so he'll be good, hopefully. Uh, and Liam Moore, who has, I think, on the Tilehurst stand, he's won the last five Man of the Match awards. Right. Um, and bearing in mind that two of those are 3-0 defeats, that tells you that tells you how good he's been. Um, typical sort of heart on his shoulder, um, defender, throws himself in front of stuff, doesn't lose many headers, uh, just really sort of the heartbeat of the team, really. Yeah. Um, he, he would have been the player that I picked out, um, yeah. and I was surprised that you kept hold of him in January. I thought that he was yeah. possibly going to move on to one of the promotion contenders in the Championship, or maybe a yeah, the Premier League. I should think he will probably move on this summer, sadly, because he is just about our only saleable asset, I think. Um, and he, the only one. Well, no, there's a couple of players who are in there who, who might be of interest to other, to other teams, but I think he, he's by far and away um, our best player and most saleable asset, sadly. I'd love to keep hold of him, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Because I think, like you say, I think a high championship or low Premier League team will take a punt on him. Mm. Uh, you talk about a saleable asset. Is that is that how you is that Reading's only real hope of getting some money on board? And then because it wasn't that long ago that you were bidding for players, quite a lot of money. But I never really saw the players come in. But yeah, when you bid a, a lot of money for is it Naki Wells? Yeah. Um and that, that never happened. And I remember I seeing it and thinking, oh, Reading are rolling the dice. Like They'll, they'll be up there this season. Yeah, I mean, then, we're, yeah. then he brought in Bodfast. And... <laughs> yeah, uh, we were also linked with the likes of Nelson Oliveira um, from <laughs> Norwich and Jordan Hugill, who I think moved to West Ham and has now done nothing. Yeah, oh, the Preston. From Preston, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think he's even played for West Ham. He might be injured. Um, and we, do, you know, we have spent money over the last couple of years. I mean, we've, we've got these new Chinese owners in. Well, they're not new. They've been there a couple of years. Um, but they spent any, anywhere between about £5 million and £7.5 million on Shawnee Aluko, who's been pretty poor, if I'm honest. Um, we've he got, must be kicking himself. Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> but I think, well, maybe in his mind was sort of one big contract before he... Because I think he was out of contract at Fulham, yeah. at Fulham this year. Whereas, yeah, obviously you see what they're doing and he's probably looking back thinking, ooh... Made a slight mistake there. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you compare Aluko and Barrow and say one cost a million and one cost seven million, you just said that Barrow was a seven million pound man on, on what they've mm. done this season. That's interesting because I I would have said um, Manoni. I, th- I think he's quite a good he's decent for the championship. Yeah. And then I'd have said more. I think more's the obvious one. Mm. And then I probably would have said Aluko. Mm. Um, but it's funny how you can have... But that's maybe more from... Impressed me when he played for Fulham. Basically, that's that's yeah. all I'm basing it on. I rarely watch Reading, rarely have that pleasure. Yeah, I mean, Aluko's had moments of that that pleasure of watching <laughs> Reading. Believe me, it's not been a pleasure over the last six months. <laughs> uh, Aluko's had his moments. He scored an absolute worldie um, the other day. I think in Paul Clement's first game in charge, actually, just picked it up on the halfway line, charged past four players, and whacked it in the top corner. But when you pay seven million pounds for a player, especially in the Championship, you expect one of those moments every game or every two games it's just not happened really mm. um, whereas like I say on the other side Barrow has just been every time he gets the ball you think oh something's going to happen here he's one, he's one of those types of players he's one of those types of wingers that you, you like I say he gets the ball and you think right he, he could do something here whereas for Aluko it's just not 
it's just not really panned out, to be honest. Um, but in terms of, in terms of the money, uh, Elori again was a four million pound signing or something. I think that was wow. that was in January actually last January um, when we were cementing our playoff push. Unbelievable to say that now. Um, so yeah, the owners have certainly shown that they've got money, um, and yeah, we'll just have to see um, what they want to do this summer. Really, is there any players that if if you were in charge of Reading in in the Ipswich team that you'd like to play in a Reading shirt in the current Ipswich team? Well, I mean, you say about Connolly, I think the one thing that we miss is, is goals from midfield. Yeah, he hasn't really, he hasn't really scored. I think he, I think he could, but he came in as a fullback, um, mm. but then got moved into central midfield and that was one of the position changes that actually worked. And yeah, he did score a few early on, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say it's to his detriment that he hasn't scored loads of goals because he is a player that prefers to play a little bit deeper. Yeah, I mean, again, and maybe I it's also the style that Ipswich play that <laughs> stops him from scoring. But yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that we really miss in the team at the moment is that sort of uh, yeah, just those midfielders that just run and run and run and harry and just really put pressure on the team because we are quite lightweight in the midfield at the moment. Luke Hyams available in the summer. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> okay, we'll get the deal done now. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I think. But there's no other Ipswich players that stand out. I've put you on the spot here. But. Yeah, um, not, not particularly, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty that you'd probably chuck in our team straight away. But um, yeah, no, I'm afraid I can't, can't think of one right now. So an easier one. Okay. Who's your favourite player that's played for both Reading and Ipswich? It's maybe not an easier one, but when you think of the players, it might, might come into your head. Jay Tab, did he? Yeah, Jay Tab. I was hoping yeah. you'd mention Jay Tab. Uh, I think we could do with a player like him. He never used to stop, did he? <laughs> um, actually, yeah, I know you wanted me to mention Jay Tab. <laughs> I could think why you wanted me to mention Jay Tab. Um, yeah, no, Jay Tab was one of my one of my favourite uh, Reading players while he was here, just because, yeah, one of those players that probably shouldn't have or didn't look like he could have made it as a footballer and did, and just ran and ran and yeah. had quite a decent uh, decent shot on him when he finally got one off. And he can play the piano. Oh yeah, which yeah. I can't play the piano. Benjamin Bloom obviously can, but you've, you've got to appreciate these things. Jay Tab also very very good golfer, probably a better golfer than he is a footballer. Yeah. Do you know what he's doing now? No. He's playing rugby for Wimbledonians. Oh wow. Retired from football. Man of many sports. Yeah. Wow. Talented bloke. The other one that I thought that you were going to mention, you, you might have forgotten that he played for Ipswich, is Ibrahim Asonko. Superman. Yeah. Fifty p head. He's making 50 feet head. I thought yeah. it was quite good, didn't you? No, well, he was, he was good in the air, but you never knew where it was going to go. <laughs> okay. He's making his last ever appearance in a, in, well, it's not a professional football match. He's making his last ever football appearance this weekend. Oh, really? It's a team in Essex. I can't remember what they're called. It might be Harlow. Or Har uh, uh, Harrow? Or yeah, it might like be. Uh, Sonko was the legend of our, of our record-breaking 2005-06 team. Um, yeah, I mean, he just... Lightning pace, could put a brilliant tackle in, a, a phenomenal in the air, although like I said, you never really knew where it was going to go. Um, yeah, he, he was, well, we used to call him Superman because yeah. he just was I, I don't think we athlete. saw the best of Sonko and he, he was playing for Ipswich in a, <laughs> in a difficult time. I can't remember, I think it was the Paul Jewell era. Was that after he, because I know he did his, um, he did his knee ligaments I think whilst playing for us, or maybe whilst playing for Stoke, 
Yeah. Uh, and then after that, he he was never really the same player. No, he, he, I don't think we saw the best of him, but he was a he, he was a character, and like you say, he was good in the. Uh, uh, he, he's not. He's certainly not one that will go down as an Ipswich, not even a cult hero. To be honest, he wasn't around for long enough, and it was the Paul Jewell era, which we try and forget about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, before we go on to the Twitter questions, which we've really prepared. Yep, I'll, I'll find them right now. What is your prediction for the game? You know, How love, do you think the game will go? Not just a score prediction. I'd, you know, I'd love to see us. I'd love to see us sign off with a win, but I know that. I think, to be honest, the stakes are still too high for us to completely enjoy ourselves. I think the main thing for us now is to get that win, like you say, and really sort of just cement cement everything for next season and then look forward to trying to end Cardiff's promotion party next week, which will be... That would be good. That would yeah. be. That would be very good. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I think we'll go 1-0 up after about 20 minutes. We'll keep a bit of pressure on. Um, and then after that, we'll just slowly sink back into our shells and basically the second half will be bombardment from you. And I think we'll just about hold up and we'll sneak a 1-0 win. 1-0. Yeah. yeah. So you've got an incredible we'll record. invasion as well. Because, yeah, pitch invasion for staying up. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Got to have one. Yeah. Um, Reading have an incredible record against Ipswich at the Majeski. Really? Like, I think we've won there once, and we've been in the same league quite often. I think I've been seven or eight times, Yeah. and I missed the one time Ipswich won, which was courtesy of a Johnstead bicycle kick. Oh, Absolute yeah. scenes. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I was thinking back to... Reading games gone by, and I must admit, I've, I've gone off Reading over the years just because of how miserable I've been in the Chase <laughs> Just when we, normally we go there and we don't play well, but when we have played well, we've conceded in the last minute. I think Simon Church like mm. scored two; he deflected two goals in in two seasons, I think, against us. <laughs> and then there was the one, the first game of the season, where Jay Tab. Finally scored his first goal at the Majeski for Ipswich. Oh yeah, but then that. you still that was one of my around. that was one of my favourite things ever because he didn't <laughs> he didn't score a goal for us in however long he was here three or four seasons, and then he obviously scored for Ipswich. He went, <laughs> he went absolutely yeah. mental and then just went oh god I'm here sorry I shouldn't be celebrating. <laughs> I was just like mate like he, he was the nicest bloke ever. You should continue yeah. celebrating. Yeah, um, yeah. He's probably the last player that. Yeah, exactly. The, the Reading fans would be Brentford <laughs> no. as well. Yeah, not not all Ipswich fans like Jay Tab. He, he he's a limited footballer, mm. so I I always saw him as an easy target when things weren't going well. We weren't keeping possession of the ball. Jay Tab would come on, and everyone would moan because he's not somebody that's going to mm. dribble through a defence and put them in the top corner. He's not a game changer. Is he's he? not a game changer, but he's, as Mick always used to say, he's a good, honest pro. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Gives so I, I've mentioned Mick McCarthy. It's like that ex-girlfriend that you say you're not bothered about anymore, but you just can't <laughs> can't stop mentioning. Um, so yeah, Do you, get on to you the think it's going to be one nil? Oh, what's your prediction? Um, I think. Sorry about that. A few technical difficulties. You'd, you'd never know that I was doing this for the first time, would you? Um, but yeah, we were getting on to <laughs> my prediction uh, for the game, which I've now had a little bit of time to think about, and. I think Reading are going to win 2-1. 2-1? Okay. Yeah, I feel like Take it's that. an important game for Reading. I just hope that Ipswich score, give a good account of themselves, because 
the Aston Villa one was difficult because they're playing against a team that they've got still got chasing automatic promotion, one of the best teams in the league. And we went down to 10 men at 1 0 down, really difficult. Mm. Um, yeah, I hope some of the younger players get a chance. I'd like to see Falami or Morris play up front again. Um, but yeah, I just think that the Majeski Stadium, I just, I just can't predict an Ipswich win there. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, let's move on to the. The questions that we got over Twitter, um, the ones that aren't related to the office. Um, Definitely Burfield, <laughs> Yately, Taplow. So Andy Wheaton asked, I think we've kind of touched on this, but after just missing out on promotion last year, what changed for this season's form? You said it was luck. Yeah, I, I think it was just just luck. I mean, like I said, the the expected goals and all that sort of stuff just really, really pointed to us overachieving last year. Um, we were escaping games with wins and draws, and I think just like this season, either it's completely gone the other way or it's actually reverted to, to what it should be. Um, and like I said, I, I felt we were quite lucky as the season was going on. A lot of people saying, no, we weren't. Um, and then I think this season it's sort of been been revealed that we were actually quite lucky last year. Okay, um, at Jules Hughes 10 says, uh, your wages are a lot higher for nip switches. Mm-hmm. Is that right? But you have less season ticket holders than us, he says. How does he feel like, how does it, how do you feel that Reading and Ipswich can compete with clubs with even bigger budgets than Reading? Because I think I think he's putting Reading in with Ipswich as the mm. just just not there in terms of budget. Well, I think any 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 team can do it with the right recruitment. Um, I mean, you even look at I mean, how, yeah, how much has a team like Fulham really spent this year? I suppose on the O they've kept hold of Kearney and people like Sessegnon who have emerged um, as you know 17, 18 year olds. Um, obviously, getting Mitrovic in. In January, Premier League striker and international has helped them a lot. Um, and you know, another team like Cardiff. I mean, I don't think Cardiff have really gone out and broken the bank over the last over the last year. I mean, it's only really Wolves that, with the with the help of uh, with the help of a certain super agent, have managed to secure some of the best players in in, in the world. Not yeah, let alone the championship. It's not fair, really, is it? No. So I, I think any any team can do it. Really, you just got to have that have that right spirit and right tactics, and everything's got to come together. I am Spartacus73 asks, despite having a good season last year, did you find the incessant passing across the back line dull? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. <laughs> there was a game in, in December, uh, well, this is more this season, but um, I normally go with my dad um, and sort of turned up at half six. We saw each other and said, do you want to go tonight? No. And we just, we just, oh. both, we just both went home because it was just so dull. It was just, they didn't care if we were going to win, lose or draw. It was just mm-hmm. so boring. Um, and so we just, yeah. It, yeah, even the, even the first game of the Sam Zero, I think it was against Burton. We won 1-0 and we had 75% possession and it was just dull as dishwater. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's what we were letting ourselves in for. Okay, I, I think we'll end it there. Thank yeah. you very much, Johnny. That's and right. uh, thank you to our audience as well. And I hope that you haven't missed Benjamin too much. Uh, he'll be back with Dave Diamond in the flagship show. Also watch out for Ben's match review from his car on Saturday evening. And you'll find him in the usual places on YouTube and on the podcast. 
Uh, and also this week's ITFC This Week in History is also definitely worth a listen. The Ipswich's win at Oxford. And big up to the Ipswich fans that are travelling down to Reading despite this terrible record and the fact that we don't really have much to play for. Good for you, but be careful what you wish for. Goodbye. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.